Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Healthy Innovators TV. I'm your host, my name is Barry Schreier, and I'm the founder of Giant Health. Every week we feature a group of incredibly talented and motivated and passionate people who are working hard to improve healthcare and health outcomes. Our sponsor is Giant Health, which is a global community of over 100,000 people who are all working in the fields of healthcare and technology and innovation. And our vision is to improve the health and the well-being of people around the world by promoting innovation in healthcare and supporting health tech entrepreneurs. So many thanks to the tens of thousands of viewers. We're great to have you guys joining us, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Tonight, our format is as usual. What I'm going to do is ask you guys just to introduce yourselves briefly, and then we're going to talk about some of the leading issues in healthcare. What are some of the main challenges in our society in terms of health and the developments in our society relating to healthcare? And how can we address those by way of innovation in healthcare? So, once again, thank you for joining us and glad to have you on board. So, uh, begin, please, if you can introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, sure. I'm the Chief Executive of Designability, uh, so we're a charity, we're based over in Bath in the southwest of England. Excellent. Um, so we design and develop technology uh, for people with disabilities and health problems. So our aim is to transform people's lives uh, through, enabling, through enabling technology. Excellent. Uh, we work really right across the age spectrum, so children's mobility and seating, oh, wow. right through to products for people living with dementia. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we do research uh, with our academic partners, uh, we do product development, mm. and we aim to get those products to market. Um, or we, if we can't do that, then we will uh, make them available ourselves. So we, for example, uh, we run a, a, what's called a WYSIBUG loan scheme. So WYSIBUG is a little buggy for children under five. It provides independent powered mobility. Oh, nice. Uh, and we were not able to do a, a commercial deal with that. Mm -hmm. So we make that available on a charity loan scheme. And we're supporting over 380 children and families around the UK with that, which wow. is a great thing to do. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah, no, great story. Thank yeah. you for sharing. Great. Chima. Okay, yeah, nice so, I, uh, hi, how's it going? Um, so my name is Chima. Uh, I'm a local GP, mm -hmm. two tube stops away from where we are currently. Good. Um, and I've been working with Giants since 2016. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, for me, I think at the moment, my most pressing issue in terms of tech mm -hmm. is, is not actually that complicated. It's more about how systems within, I work in the NHS, the yes. National Health Service, which mm -hmm. is what most people in the UK subscribe to here mm -hmm. in terms of providing their health, how the different systems within the NHS talk to each other. Mm. Um, and on a very basic level, yes. uh, that interface and how sometimes it's mind boggling how mm. the, for example, the health visitor will be on a different system than the, the GP and mm. then information getting lost, yes. work being duplicated, triplicated. I feel like if someone Mm -hmm. Some innovator could come <laughs> in and just provide that as a service to the NHS. They, they, they That'd would, be magic dust, they, wouldn't they'd it? They'd be laughing. So that yeah. was a, that's w one current area that I'm interested in. Mm. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see where the discussion goes. Sure. No, but that's interesting and unbelievably important. That's come up often in our discussions. Yeah. So uh, good to hear that from, um, from your direct experience um, in primary yeah. care. Thanks for sharing that. No problem. Yeah. Nice to see you. Good to see you, Barry. Yeah, thanks for coming. Hi, I'm Paul Roberts. I'm the CEO of GPDQ. Um, and what's motivating us is about building sustainable healthcare systems. And really, we believe the key to that is community-based primary care. Mm -hmm. So how can we keep as much care as possible 
in primary, out in the community, yes. keep people out of the more expensive hospital system. Mm -hmm. um, so what we've done with our businesses, we've set up um, uh, a platform where uh, GPs are available on demand for home visiting. And we were the first uh, uh, of those in the UK. Fabulous. It was accessible through an app. What's um, it called? GPDQ. Mm -hmm. So in just um, uh, sort of two hours or so, you could be being seen by a GP from the comfort of your own home. Mm. Um, and so for us, it's really a story of how do we combine technology with that uh, in-person touch of seeing a real doctor and how do we get the balance between those two right where we're yes. improving efficiency um, but we're still maintaining that all-important human contact. Exactly. And doing that along with trying to bring uh, the doctor population along with us. Nice one. Oh, great one. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Hello, Stephen. Hi. Yeah. Uh, I've used uh, his service and it's great. So yeah. can, you're, you're looking quite healthy. Not, yeah. not, not for me at the time, but uh, <laughs> um, it's certainly a, a convenience that is, um, yeah, quite important when you need to see a doctor ASAP. Yeah, no, good to so hear. So I'm co-founder of Echo. So story goes, I've taken a repeat prescription my entire life uh, for one reason or another and found it very uh, annoying every month to have to be faced with a rigmarole and hassle of trying to order my meds, mm -hmm. get a hold of my meds, remember to take my meds. And I was just continuously getting to this point where I had three, four tablets left and I thought, ah. Oh. <laughs> So emergency appointments, I've even, for my sins, been to A&E to get a repeat prescription. So uh, with my co-founder, who also takes repeat prescription, we set out to solve that. And kind of interestingly enough, we, we set out really to solve a problem we both understand, mm. not from a healthcare context, but as just people who take medicine, um, who don't necessarily identify as patients and who felt underserved. Yes. And really, uh, Echo has just grown and grown now. So it's a medication management platform. It's an app, um, it's an NHS facing app, so we integrate with the GP systems and we have a lot of the challenges around interoperability and I mm. too will personally pay for someone to fix that problem, but um, <laughs> yeah. So what's that, the name of the business? It's called Echo. And what's the service called? Echo, Okay. echo.co.uk. Yeah, nice one. No, that's fascinating. What's the subject? Is it called adherence in the medical sector? The subject of trying to get patients to conform to the drugs or prescriptions which the, 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 the clinician has, has provided. Is that right, adherence? That's, yeah. Do you see that as an issue? Oh, of course, yeah. without, without a doubt. Um, I, see, I'm not as deluded as uh, a lot of GPs think uh -huh. that, that uh, what they say, patients take on uh, 100%. Yes. But actually, I think the, 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 the value is, is, is more, more like 70% actually oh, wow. of, of I think you yeah, know I mean? yeah. the studies will tell you maybe thirty percent. I think is what they officially say. What thirty percent of those things prescribed are taken correctly? In incorrectly. 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 Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I've heard big numbers. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So mm. and your echo sounds really interesting. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I'd be really interested in, in hearing more about. Um, so uh, how does it actually help people remember to take? So we take a basic kind of <laughs> construct that. People are quite lazy. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. As, our, as our core. Yeah. Um, I am. I, cer yeah. cer certainly, my, my wife will attest to my laziness, <laughs> particularly when it comes to meds management. So, uh -huh. the, the trade in using Echo is um, you let us nudge you towards better compliance by giving you reminders based on your GP's directions. Uh -huh. We'll also manage your infantry, tell you when you're going to run out. Mm -hmm. um, and 
uh, what we'll do for you is we'll sort all the back end, the magic for the repeat prescription. So it's only for repeats, but that is an absolutely huge burden on the NHS. Mm. So, and we like to think we bring in design that is not typical of healthcare applications, which Nigel, I'm sure is very much sure. in your heart. A lot of NHS facing services tend to suffer when it comes to look, feel, usability. Exactly, So yeah. we want to make something that's cool, that just looks cool, that's easy to use, that's so intuitive. So the UX is a, is a focus. I mean, design, yeah. is a, design and data are two cores to our business. But yeah. just on the adherence point, you're right, between a third and half, according to NICE, of medicines aren't taken as directed. Mm -hmm. And in a market of seven, we spend 17 billion in the UK on wow. meds. Wow. Right? So let's just assume it's, I don't know, two billion of that is wasted. Let's lowball that. That's a big problem. Mm, sure. And when you have patients who are on multiple medicines, what we've observed is they don't actually know what they're taking anymore. Mm -hmm. So we've all got smartphones. Well, a lot of us have smartphones. We see that at Echo, and there's a lot of companies in this field now trying to use this, bridging the gap between knowledge, between what you know as a GP and mm -hmm. what I know as a patient. Yes. That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, can I ask them? So, how did you manage to break into the NHS? Because it's, I mean, it's it's incredibly difficult in health innovation sure. to get products into the NHS. People yeah. think, oh, it's just one NHS, but you're actually selling to like, you know, two or three hundred individual trusts around the country, and they've all yes. got their own procurement processes and all the rest of it. Yes. So, so how did you can I, can I ask how how did you manage to break into the NHS? Um, uh, so, someone described it to me as the NHS isn't a whale; it's a shoal of fish. Yeah. So that's um, a great example. So you're mm. never really, you've never got the whole thing. You're, you can only take yeah. little bites here and there. So I'm not sure we have uh, completed the breaking in of the NHS. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think you know one thing is is we 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 work with people in NHS England on and in just digital um, towards the goals that they already have. Right. And we also assume a few different things. One is we assume that GPs aren't going to do anything different mm. in terms of new systems, new processes. Yeah. So mm -hmm. go with the flow, go with the grain as mm -hmm. much as you possibly can. Mm. Um, but we have a lot more work to do. And I, I certainly don't think in terms of interoperability, we're, we're close to being finished. Um, beyond mm. the sort of primary care systems, there's secondary care. And how do you talk to that? Because we're, we're, we're moving to a shared care economy, if you will. Mm. And the idea of, you know, your GP does this and your hospital does that and so on and so forth is just, it's just very antiquated. It's evolving, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Do you have a direct experience of trying to engage with the NHS or succeeding in some areas and well, building so, challenge elsewhere? Well, yeah. So we're, we're, we're based in a hospital, which is yeah. great, although we're independent charity. So we work mm -hmm. really closely with clinical colleagues. And, yes. I, and I used to work in the NHS before I came to designability. Oh, okay. so, so I sort of realized how hard it is to break through and get innovation. So, sure. So, um, so, uh, so, yeah, there is a real need to, to accelerate the process mm. and there are things called academic health science networks that yes. try and help that process. Mm. But they're, they're, they're sort of independent bodies from the individual hospital trusts, whether mm -hmm. it's primary care or secondary care. Mm. And uh, it, it, it's really hard to, to, to get a line in. To, to Medics are inherently conservative, which is good because yes. I, I don't think I necessarily want to be, you know, uh, um, trialed on with the, you know, absolutely the latest thing. I want to know there's a good evidence base well, and you considered it. Yeah, no, so, we always joke. I'm glad my GP doesn't poke me with some widget she bought from a startup yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it, it's yeah. a sort of a good thing, but we, we, you know, maybe we've gone a little bit too far, and 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 you know, with cost controls and all the rest of it, it's mm. it is really hard to break in into NHS and get innovations, even that save money. Mm. It, it's really tough. Yeah, a lot of um, how do you say it? Um, 
conflicting agendas in a very complicated ecosystem. Uh, Is yeah. that your experience or not necessarily? Yeah, yeah, yes, I think we, we all share that challenge. <laughs> it's, um, you know, who do I pick the phone up to to sell to the NHS? Well, the mm. answer is, you know, sort of paraphrasing the, the US question. Yes. You know, it, it doesn't really exist. And I mm. think it's how you overcome that circular argument of, well, you need data to sell in, but mm. how do I get my first pilot in order to be able to generate mm. more data? Yeah. Um, and I think what a lot of businesses, you know, ours included at, at GPDQ end up doing is, um, you know, we end up standing up a private service first yes. in order to be able to get some of that data, yep. in order to be able to evidence um, what it is that we're saying yes. um, and to provide some proof points and then try so to the translate those across. in private. Exactly. But then, then you have the conundrum of how you're not then perceived as a private provider. Mm -hmm. uh, when you know, really, your goal all along has been to, to try to work with and, and alongside the NHS. Yeah, exactly. But we know that the technology can make a difference, can't it? It's oh, just sure. slow to slow can, to come think, in. You know, the big question uh, is who pays, right? Mm -hmm. Who pays what? And yes. Um, so, for me to use your service, I'm luckily enough, I'm in a position where I can pay to use your private service. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm delighted you do. Yeah. So if you move, if you take that forward and you say to yourself, right, let's open this up, this sort of service mm -hmm. to a wider audience, mm -hmm. and you want to maintain a free universal healthcare system, which you know certainly I think is important. Mm -hmm. Yes, likewise. Um, yeah. The question is, is who's going to pay for that? And even if you get the return on investment model down, and you really understand. Whose jobs are you going to cut? Who, you know, where are you going to? Because yeah. the money just doesn't pile up in the cellar. You no. know, it, it has to be paid for some way. And if you have commissioners under a lot of stress dealing with like this year's financials, mm -hmm. how do they, how do they even have the breathing room to consider commissioning services that might have a three-year payoff, a five-year payoff, a, a, a lifetime payoff? Yes, it's a very difficult situation for those procurement decisions, isn't it? Yeah, but mm. at the same time, we have a system that is, suffers from tragedy of the commons. Yes. So, you know, a, a few weeks... Could you uh, help the viewers to understand? Certainly. The um, so the NHS the is, is, is free at the, point of, uh, at the point of care. And, yes. you know, I really hope it maintains to be that way. But that doesn't offer any incentive to people to turn up to appointments. It doesn't offer incentives to people to um, necessarily listen to their GP all the time. Yeah. And mm. so we mm. have a, a, a situation where, you know, if I book a GP appointment and fail to turn up, mm -hmm. taxpayer deal. covers it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure what the answer is. No. But I do know have that we have an incentive problem, and maybe you can shed some light. Are there any experiments? I remember um, what's that company? iPlato, which was quite early in the game, maybe yeah. uh, ten years yeah. ago. Oh, yeah, we still use that. Yeah. Same, yeah, yeah, yeah. Text reminding, SMS reminders. My GP is fantastic. Yeah. That and was it, it new ten years ago. No, but it's practical and, and yeah. it works. Yeah. But this is what I'm saying. Mm. I feel like we we sometimes we get caught up in trying to be. All the way over here, we're trying what, to too, be too savvy. Yeah, when it's too like, if we do the real basic things well, right? Okay, like okay, let's send a text reminder, and mm -hmm. they are amazingly powerful in making people to remember their their, their appointments. It works. It does. It does definitely yeah. work. Wow. You know, we've looked at our own practice. Yes. And in terms of cutting our own uh, DNA, did not attend rates. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you know, it not DNR. You're not yeah. DNR, yeah. yeah. Very, very important that you, <laughs> that you get that right. So, um, but you know, DNAs aren't the end of the world. This might be, uh, um, uh, again, controversial for me to say this. Sure. But, but when you have a system when that's running at full all the time, 
if someone doesn't turn up, actually those DNAs are essential in in that person who's working in that situation to have some space. Give you a little break. To get no, not even give you a little break, but someone else that needs a little bit more time. Because the average uh, appointment in the UK is seven minutes with a GP. Wow. You know, so oh, this next person didn't turn up. I can give someone else. You know, yes. an extra seven minutes, which still isn't enough, really. I mean, sure. your, your, your service is 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah, we do 25 minutes. And that's the challenge, standard, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So, so um, no, yeah. Yeah, because it, it's hard to give the patient really the, the quality of time and interaction in seven minutes. And it's not just about, you know, forming the initial diagnosis and, and taking history and understanding the patient. Yeah. But it's also then about the advice that you give. Uh-huh. I think it comes back to the adherence rates that we were talking exactly. about earlier. Yeah, yeah. If you can really explain what it is that you're doing, mm. why you need to take the medication, mm. you know, answer any questions that the patient may have, yes. then that gives you the opportunity, among other things, to, yeah. to increase adherence. And I think mm. also just a bit of a psychological understanding of the patient sometimes. What's mm. the what's the lever that's going to persuade them to, mm. to do the right thing. It's, it's not always mechanical. Yes. You know, the mm. patients are humans, you know, they all operate well, differently. Yeah. Do, you, yeah. so do you think there are opportunities to, to just to facilitate that process? Because I mean, you know, we've all been to doctors and had cons- consultations and you, you pay complete attention when you're there in the surgery, mm-hmm. but you're, you're anxious about the appointment and what the doctor's gonna say. And, and you, you know, I just wonder if you then go out of the surgery and about 20 minutes later, you've actually forgotten exactly, yeah. you know, like half of what all the things you told me to do. Mm. And, and, and you know, maybe we should be you know, maybe recording the consultation or you know, giving, and I, I think most patients do get copies of letters, but those are really pretty formal, aren't they? Mm. Mm. You know, do you think there are things we can do to, 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 to help that consultation process? A hundred percent. That's I, very interesting. And I think that's where the new, more innovative ways of consulting are going to need to come in as mm-hmm. well. Like um, recently we went live with something called uh, e-consult. Mm-hmm. Today was the first day. Um, oh, wow. And, and the only How does that work? So basically, uh, I want advice from my doctor. Someone goes on our website right. and they click on it and then they um, fill in a pro forma. Okay. Um, and you know, it asks all the red flag questions and then that gets emailed to us mm-hmm. and then a, a doctor sees it. Uh, interestingly, the only person that used it today was our practice manager. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah. We, I'll help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, we've been promoting it through social media, yeah. etc. you know. <laughs> We've got a little stand in our in yeah. our in our basement, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, definitely, I think more can be done to recognise that fact mm. that there's a lot of inf- may- often complicated technical information. Yes. I, I, some, I sometimes I sit there and I think, I mean, it took me six years at medical school. How am I going to break down this concept to you in in seven minutes and yes. get you to trust me yes. and get you you know and give you and the space? minutes later. To remember, yeah, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, and I, that's where I think tech can come in in, in terms of like um, making that more efficient. Mm. You know, mm. so for example, with e-consult, what I've noticed now is a, the history taking. If someone fills it all in before, one of the thing, things that patients hate is being asked the same question again yes. and again and again. If it's all there yes. in an easily identifiable thing that you can just look back to and refer, right? That part's over. Mm. We can spend time on the more important things like... And it shouldn't change, should it? How old you are or... Yeah. No, exactly. If you've had diabetes in the past or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of work that can be done. And I think it should start with the very basic things. Like, I love how we're trying to think all the way in the future, but let's just get, 
you know, let, let me be able to look at an investigation that happened at the hospital today, yes. you know, and, and, yes. and, and, and look at that. Not by the Royal Mail. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to wait for it. Yes. To be fair to the NHS, they're trying. They're well, I agree. They're saying they're going to go paperless by whenever. Mm. Yes. You know, fax yeah. it. We're, we're, not, supposed, we're not supposed to fax it. Yeah. Yeah. We're not supposed to fax anymore, you know, yeah. things like that. You yeah. Know. You know, um, no, huge challenge. And it's a very interesting point because, of course, we all love the shiny, new, exciting gadgets. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Uh, at Giant yeah. Health, obviously, at our annual event, which is international, we're trying to promote all these new surgical robots and yeah, 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 things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, hospitals are dealing with Windows XP, aren't they? <coughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. so I guess there's the fun, exciting future and there's the real world practical challenges that every CIO in every hospital group has to deal with. Sure. But um, the, the, the reminders of after you've left the GP practice and your, 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 your um, GP has said, well, you know, this is what's wrong with you and don't forget to do this and come back at this time and blah, blah, blah. Is that something you guys would consider expanding into? What's next beyond, for example, the current model? Or is the current model so huge of just reminding people to take their repeats? Um, I, I think from, from Echo's perspective, we, uh, there are too many Swiss Army knives in healthcare. Oh, okay. Apps doing oh, absolutely everything and nothing. Yes. Um, we want to be a steak knife. We want to be, mm -hmm. a, or a surgical <laughs> instrument, if you will. Or uh, the biggest thing. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I should expa expand yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, but we want to be something that does what we say we do exceptionally well. Nice. And when we feel like we've mastered that then we'll move on yes but we've not mastered it yet <laughs> no of course um and, and the opportunity just it, it is the, i mean in, if we can nudge, is huge if we can nudge compliance by one or two points within yes. you know uh, certain mm. patient groups uh, you're talking about transformational change yeah. and again Which i, I think you know exciting. just to just to kind of echo the, the the point is is that there we fetishize you know ai blockchain <laughs> yeah. when Quite frankly, I play toes, my GP, um, e-consult um, from the Hurley Group. Those things just work, and they work well, and they work today, and they work with existing systems. So we and should make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, we should hmm. be giving these companies the same amount of of of, of you know coverage and plaudits. Yes. Despite operating in in relatively like <laughs> the duller end of the spectrum, yeah. they're having real impact. Yeah. Um, and heading in private eye, that one page, boring but important. Yes, boring but important. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it is. Mm. And in healthcare, when it comes to interoperability, when it comes to the challenges, so many of them are boring. Mm -hmm. And therefore, they won't attract the same media attention, mm -hmm. but they're having a huge difference. Yeah. And I think about some of the no, doctors, so you, know, you know, the appointment books in hospitals, stuff like Zesty, Doctor Doctor, and so forth, mm -hmm. these things are having immediate impacts yes. today. And, and we should give them some we should give them some recognition. Well, I think next episode, we're going to have the whole boring but important brigade <laughs> and talk about the bigger wins yeah. today. The um, e-consult, I think, is incredibly interesting. Um, uh, are you seeing any... Well, I guess it's, you just launched it. Today was right? first day, So yeah. you can't say this is great yet or Not yet, people no. love it yet. No. Or I was, how do I was, people find out about it? So if, um, I'm, if I'm in your uh, surgical, what's it called? Your surgical neighborhood. My, my, my practice. practice. We have a practice building. In our reception, we have a big placard saying, right. saying I, I, this, is, this is, I was skeptical at first of this because right. I, I feel like the problem is, you, you used the word earlier, that you used the word convenience. Mm -hmm. And I think convenience is, is hard to 
allow for in in a, in a universal healthcare model. Sure. Do you see what I'm saying? So we have mm. this big placard that says, can't wait to see your GP, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's very friendly, you know, and it's like go online and you can get advice or whatever. So mm -hmm. that's how you see it. And then we're on social media as well. But, oh, okay. but again, people don't, we've got 7,000 patients, okay? In your- um, In our practice. Practice. Yeah. We've got maybe about 50 people who like our Facebook page. Oh, you know what I'm saying? So like people, 53 after tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know, people aren't really that interested in interacting with their GP's uh, social no. media page. Well, it's a challenge, isn't it? It is. I, I remember I, at the dawn of social media, a close personal friend was a senior marketing director for one of these global food companies. And he was trying to be, get a huge following for Hellman's mayonnaise. <laughs> and, uh, you don't really want to spend a lot of time engaging on Facebook with Hellman's mayonnaise. No, no disrespect. Yeah, of course. It's of delicious course. mayonnaise. Yeah. yeah. So what's the demographic of your practice? I mean, yeah, so we don't have that many. It, it's, and that's another question I, I wanted to ask the demographic who use Echo. We don't have that many uh, older people, actually. It's, oh. more, it's more young. And uh, the professionals, because the area has been gentrified, mm -hmm. we're moving into the, the, okay. the area. So children, children uh, are big part, middle and middle-aged. We don't really have that many no. older people for, for, I don't know, well, it's central London. So, sure. you know, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it has an impact, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. Because I was, I was, it's interesting to hear that, and there's still low uptake, because one of my uh, challenges, I guess, for the giant health community is I'm really concerned about the digital divide. Sure. And that we know that we know smartphone uptake is, is, is you know, is really high, and pretty high amongst the, the seniors, like yeah. over 70s or so. Yeah. But, but it doesn't mean they're actually using all the smartphone functions. Mm. And, and Well, exactly. And, and, and you know, there's and, something there to be addressed for certain. Yeah, so we're, we're doing sort of digital prompting, <laughs> for people with with early cognitive impairment oh, nice. uh, and and you know we know maybe two-thirds of people are quite happy using it mm -hmm. even if they've had no big experience of tech mm -hmm. but there's still around a third of people who are really very nervous about having a you know a tablet even if you don't say it's a tablet here it's just a reminder thing that you yes. can use yeah and, and and I know that you know there's a lot of anxiety for, for, from seniors you know older members yeah. around yeah. you know I'm gonna press the wrong button I'm gonna go onto Facebook and everybody's <laughs> gonna spam me yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, they're gonna yeah, get yeah. a virus yeah. and all this well you're right that whole digital divide thing is a challenge and uh, that's come up a lot in our conversation yeah. But um, we're going to, uh, I'm sorry, we're going to have to wrap up. Yeah, pardon me, but we're running out of time. So we're just going to have to wrap up now. But uh, incredibly, incredibly interesting conversation. And uh, I'm really glad to have you guys on board. And thank you for such a valuable contribution. So we have just a couple minutes left. And uh, uh, if you will, I'd just like to ask you guys to come up with any type of uh, vision of the future or any little summary about what you're working on and what you hope to achieve. In other words, like maybe a few years from now, what would be a, a, a good win in terms of our activities and uh, innovation in healthcare? So um, uh, do you wanna go ahead, please? Just well, a brief I, I summary. Guess, sure. Well, I guess I sort of said it really, is, is I, I'd like to see sort of digital technology, so user interfaces that are really accessible and really easy to use. Mm. Uh, and I think that will have a you know, massive effect uh, for particularly for, for some segments of the population that are just not comfortable using uh, sort of tablets and smartphones yes. at the moment. And there yeah. are you know, very many millions of people out there who would really benefit from, from and, and, are, and are not able to at the moment because they're daunted by the user interface and that experience. Yeah, excellent. Mm. Chima, how about you? Anything in particular? Uh, yeah, I'd I, I just love to, to, you know, there'd be a time where at home I can feel like 
exactly how I interface with things in home. When I get to work and I'm mm -hmm. doing work that really matters, mm -hmm. I can do it in exactly the same way in terms yes. of like the right. operating system. Seamless. In the seconds it takes me to, yeah. to go from one page to another page. Yes. You know, that's what I... I, it should be like that. Yes. It should be like that in my workplace. Nice. My, wor my, my home can't be more advanced than my workplace. <laughs> no, no, that's a fabulous future though. And I think we'll get there. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Paul? Anything yeah, I, I, I guess my reflection is we, I think we talked quite a bit about accessibility, mm. you know, mm. whether that's, mm. you know, it being free at the point of need in the NHS or being, you know, not sat behind a digital divide. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key. How are we able to, to really make innovation, you know, move faster in terms of working with the NHS to do that? But then also, as we say, how are we harnessing technology in a way that it isn't getting in the way potentially at the front end? So yeah. kind of, I was going to sort of build on what you were saying, Nigel. You know, you've got, you know, potentially a sort of elderly piece, but you've got some quite confident silver surfers. But if your uh, users are frail, vulnerable, you know, then they're not going to be in a position to, to use complicated technology. Yeah, so, so big but, opportunity but, there. But how do we still have, you know, the, uh, the advantages of, of that, but just have a different range of interfaces and ways of engaging with, with mm. product behind it? Yeah, no, good stuff. Thank you. Stephen, any I, I, I think, you know, briefly, please? just super briefly, maintaining free care for those who can't afford it and bridging the gap through technology yes. and making sure that we allow technology to flourish and we're open-minded about commissioning models to make that happen. Yep. Um, I don't want to see, I, I've lived a, a, across the world in highly privatized markets. and I do not want to see that happen in that way where you have an apartheid of healthcare. Absolutely. No, it's a very good point. Thank you for that. Anyhow, great to see you guys, obviously. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it because for me, it's been really interesting and really worthwhile. So thanks again. And thanks, of course, to our viewers. Once again, this is the weekly Healthy Innovators TV show. My name is Barry Schreier, and I'm the founder of Giant Health. I'd also like to thank our media partners, Disruptive Live, who are a fabulous team of people who help us to produce and distribute this excellent weekly program. So thank you to everybody from Disruptive Live. Great to have you on board as our valuable media partners. Lastly, to any of our viewers, if you ever want to suggest subjects for our show, or if you'd ever like to participate in this show, we'd love to hear from you. So please don't hesitate to contact us. And obviously, we invite you all to come and join us at the Giant Health event in November in London. So thanks again, and I hope you enjoyed our show.